For the people of Cloney Park Mennonite Brethren Church, this is for May 31st, 2020. The sermon is entitled, House of God Forever, based on Psalm 23, read from the English Standard Version on Pentecost Sunday. The Lord is here. Indeed, He is. My heart is full. As I have been boxing up my books in the office, I have also been reflecting on the past 18 years with you. In these last five messages, my reflections will be a series of personal letters coupled with scripture. A series of conversations, if you will, in the living room. Along the way, it has been all of you who have grown my family and myself. It has been a wonderful and transformational mutual flourishing. Today, I'm once again using the Psalms as the medium for our conversation. You might recall that the book of Psalms is kind of a journal entry or blog, if you will. On one hand, it is a piece of very personal writing, filled with creative language and raw emotion. On the other hand, the Psalms is a book filled with universal truth. The Psalms affirm that our very human experience are real and okay, and our humanity is validated through the Psalms. And so, let me share with you from the heart, from Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is one of the most recognizable and quoted passages of Scripture. Many from our own fellowship have asked me over and over again to use this text during memorial services or celebrations of life services for our faith family. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm sure you can finish the next part. Well, if you haven't yet opened your Bibles to today's message, I encourage you to do so. We'll be referring back to this passage verse by verse. Today I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. You can follow along with me or read it yourself. Psalm chapter 23 verses 1 to 6 from the English Standard Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, the open pasture land of Samaria and Judea stretches from the eastern part of Samaria down to the Negev, south of Beersheba. 
Now, before modern highway transport and cell phones, the moment the lone traveler and the shepherd left the shelter and protection of the villages along the north-south ridge, they were on their own. And having visited those open hills a few years ago, I am aware of the special experience of surrendering to the one, to the mercies of the wilderness or the desert. In verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, among other things, means I really don't have any police protection, which took on a stark meaning as we walked land that was contested between the nation states of Israel and Palestine. In those open trackless spaces, the traveler and their companions are alone. Thieves, wild animals, snakes, sudden blinding dust storms, water shortages, loose rock and furnace-like heat are all potential threats to any traveler. No sheep is ever taken out to pasture alone. The cost of the labor involved would be prohibitive. A flock is then always assumed. But in this famous psalm, the focus is on the individual. David, once a shepherd himself, now king, is describing his own spiritual journey. In our highly individualized Western world, the importance of community is too easily forgotten when matters of faith are under discussion. But in Eastern cultures, the sense of community is so strong that the importance of the individual within that community can be neglected. Both are necessary. We need to remember that both are necessary, individuals and yet the community. Friends, Charlene and I have been sensing God asking us if we would consider heading back to Calgary for a few years now. We prayed, wondering about all the repercussions that we could think of. In our reflections, time and again, Psalm 23 came to mind, and we're so thankful for the community that has surrounded us as we've discerned this pathway. Thank you. We, yes, indeed, have been individuals listening to God and discerning, but it has taken the community to help us to hear what God was saying to us. If we indeed believe this psalm, it's actually more a declaration of reassurance to oneself. We recognize that God is our Lord. He is our shepherd. Yes, we have no visible police protection, but we have God. He is king in our lives, and as he leads, we obediently follow, recognizing that we are but sheep following the footsteps of the master. I shall not want carries certain nuances in any capitalistic society. Our entire economic system is built on creating and then satisfying as many perceived wants as possible. The goal appears to be create wants and turn them into felt needs. If we can do enough of this, we will all become richer and live happily ever after. Now, our current COVID-19 reality is testing this very system. In contrast, the psalmist has a very basic set of wants that the shepherd provides for his sheep. Now, that list includes food, drink, tranquility, rescue when lost, and freedom from the fear of evil and death, a sense of being surrounded by the grace of the Lord, and a permanent dwelling place in the house of God. The sheep knows that only with the shepherd's help can they secure this list of basic wants. Friends, God has sustained the Chow family. We want to share with you a little bit of how Psalm 23 has impacted us. Let's move to verse 2 talking about green pastures and still waters. 
Well, if you know anything about sheep, you'll know that sheep will only lie down when they have had plenty to eat, have quenched the thirst, and are not threatened by any wild animal or disturbed by biting insects. Now, my brother-in-law used to farm sheep, and for a city slicker like me, it was hilarious to make ba-ba sounds at them and have them respond in kind as a chorus. But all it took was one of our own loud and unashamed children to run up to the fence, try out the same sounds, and off those sheep would go, the whole herd running for their lives. Yes, no one can force a sheep to lie down. But as verse 2 declares, the shepherd knows exactly what to do. When I visited the Middle East, I went during the cooler months of the year and still suffered from the heat. The shepherd must plan his day around the availability of water in the middle of the day. The shepherd is ever aware of the needs of his sheep. With the finest food, green pastures, and water that the sheep can confidently drink, still waters, along with the assumed freedom from any exterior threat, the sheep will indeed lie down to digest their freshly eaten food. A shady place near quiet waters in the midst of green succulent grass is the best of all worlds for any sheep. And David affirms that the Lord, his shepherd, provides all of these for him. Many of us might recall the life that David had, both as shepherd and then as warrior king, both as an apple of God's eye and then, yes, living as a scoundrel. Yet, each day the shepherd leads the flock to where it can rest. Rest and tranquility are a part of the daily routine, and David experienced that. The question is, do we allow the shepherd to lead us to green pastures and still waters? Just take a moment and think to yourself, what are your green pastures and still waters? What are those things for you? God will lead us beside quiet waters. That is to say, places of refreshment every day even during uncertain times like these days of COVID-19. Places where we can drink freely without fear of attack in the same way that both lion and gazelle drink at the common oasis. It is there that God will work restoration into our lives. Yes, we might be beside those people or those circumstances that threaten to bring us harm, but God will be with us. And like Dr. Bonnie Henry, God says to us all, we're in this together. Friends, for me, I've been enjoying working on our gardens, both in the front and backyards, the colorful annual flowers and perennial blooms, the emerging crops of raspberries and strawberries, the growing tomato plants and peas. These places are holy places where I commune, listen for God's still small voice, and then it's these places where I pray, often for all of us, for you in particular, Clarny Park. Let's move to verse 3, the return to righteousness. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the whole passage. When David wrote the line, he restores my soul, he wasn't meaning it in a metaphorical way. The literal translation from the Hebrew, he brings me back, makes clear that the sheep is lost and the good shepherd is obliged to go after it, to find it, and to carry it back. Shepherds in Palestine and Israel have told me that once a sheep knows that it is lost, it tries to hide under a bush or a rock and begins quivering and bleating, and the shepherd must locate it quickly before it's heard and killed by a wild animal. On being found, it is usually too traumatized to walk and 
must be carried back to the flock or to the village. And so how do you suppose the shepherds carry the sheep? Well, like some of these famous paintings and sculptures and images, it's on their shoulders. The interesting thing is that as the early church worshipped Jesus, they had statues and paintings of a good shepherd, smiling broadly, often carrying a very large sheep, almost larger than the shepherd himself, across his shoulders. And this shepherd had nail scars on his wrists or hands. Friends, the shepherd is very careful about those paths because he loves the sheep, and for his own name's sake, he would do anything to prevent accidents and attacks by animals. He has to keep his reputation as a good shepherd. In other words, our Lord loves us like a shepherd. He wants to care for us. He provides restoration and righteousness. What an amazing picture of atonement. The shepherd goes, no matter what the cost to himself, he searches for us, he finds us, and then carries us, smiling, all the way home. Friends, he will rescue us, even if it costs him his life. Now this is a good shepherd indeed. What a reassuring picture of a Savior, one who is willing to risk life and limb to come, search me out, pull me from the danger, and then carry me home in the safety of his arms, as the old spiritual declares, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Now let's turn to verse 4. Passage through the valley of the shadow of death. This week in particular, in the past months really, the valley of death has included horrific racism that has led to unnecessary death, led to racist threats and taunts and attacks. Some of us cannot relate to this, but some of us can. For others, the valley of death includes going to work on a daily basis as a frontline healthcare worker. For others, it may be having to wait for that suspended or postponed surgery. And still for others, it may be sitting in the shadow of receiving a dire health prognosis. The valley of death or deep darkness is a section of that trail that cannot be avoided. There is no bypass road and no magical escape. The only way forward is through the valley of sin and death. David the shepherd knows that his journey does not end there. Now, some of us endure loss and allow ourselves to imagine that we are trapped in the middle of that dark valley. For those of us who can relate, often the major problem is actually the fear that accompanies that journey. Brene Brown says that this very fear can cripple the traveler long before a valley even appears on the journey. Sometimes the power of the fear generated by the anticipation of the valley is what actually does the damage, rather than the journey through the valley itself. And this is why the shepherd must bring me back to safety from the valley of death. Second is the fear experienced in the valley of death itself. The sheep is not lost. It is simply afraid as it moves through the valley. And so let us declare along with David, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, what about that rod and staff in verse 4? Sheep have a special problem. They have no defense. Cats have teeth, claws, and speed. Dogs have their teeth and their speed. Horses can kick, bite, and run. 
Bears can claw, bite, and crush. Deer can run, but sheep have no bite or claws and cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep, and that ability will not protect them from a wolf or a bear. The sheep's only security, really, is the shepherd. Indeed, you are with me both reminds us and comforts us. We are not alone. Now, the shepherd's staff is not for defending the flock from any external threat. Rather, it is for the caring of the sheep as he leads them daily in search of food and drink and tranquility and rest. And these two vital tools are a pair. The rod is used to protect the flock from external threats, and the staff serves to gently assist the flock in its daily grazing, directing it when it's out of step, redirecting it, or even helping it up when it's lost or gotten into a place where the shepherd can't reach. Friends, we are not alone. Remember, God is with us along the way on the journey. Let's move to verse 5. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Now, in traditional Middle Eastern culture, when you want the community to know that you have acquired wealth, you don't go and buy an expensive car or a large house sitting on a huge lot. Rather, you host meals with three times as much food on the table as the numerous guests can eat. Have any of us been to our pre-COVID Tuesday community meals with our Kurdish friends? Boy, do we ever eat. The modern Western way of showing off possessions assumes isolation and distance from the community. It's enough that someone drives by and notes my house and sees my car parked in the driveway and they can label, oh, this guy must be successful or important. In cultural contrast, in the psalmist imagery, it has to do with community life that is strengthened and solidified by shared meals. Dr. Kenneth Bailey writes, David is describing a public meal where his enemies are observing the festivities, and this particular gesture is bound to infuriate those enemies. The host is pulling out all the stops. I love how he says this part. Spare no expense, he might be saying as the cup is drained, and picture someone immediately filling the half-full cup all the way up and then to overflowing. Spare no expense indeed. The central core of what is affirmed here can best be understood to mean God demonstrates costly love to me, irrespective of who is watching. People hostile to me will observe what God is doing, and he knows that their hostility against me will be extended to him as a result. But God doesn't care, does he? He offers that love anyway, because he both loves us but also in order to win some of those people to himself. God, the good shepherd, is good. Let's go to verse 6. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. This language assumes movement. You cannot follow someone unless they are on the move. And the idea of being followed is not generally a pleasant thought. The phrase, we are being followed, is generally a fearful thought for anyone traveling and can be terrifying if one is alone. Naturally, this depends on who or what is doing the following. I remember years ago, during our rides to conquer cancer from Vancouver to Seattle, there were cars and vans that followed the thousands of cyclists. If anyone fell ill or if there was an accident, help was near at hand. But when it comes to dwelling in the house of the Lord, 
forever. What was David talking about? Perhaps David was talking about his daily presence in the temple worship. However, I wonder that as a shepherd, what he was actually meaning was that wherever he goes, wherever he wandered, he senses that he is in the house of God. In other words, all things were made by the Creator and all nature, the created world, is his. Isn't God present in all of it? What a gift to live in this beautiful creation. David was confident not only in his present circumstances, but of God's grace in the future. That God would see him all the way home. He believed that valley times were part of the journey. He learned things about God and himself that he could be learned no other way in the deep ravines of life. David stayed close, trusting in God's protection and guidance every step of the way. And during those tough moments, I imagine David would remind himself and declare, The Lord is my shepherd. Friends, Charlene and I declare that the Lord is our shepherd. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. Where he goes, we will follow. And so, friends, when we find ourselves weak in the dark uncertain uncertainty of the future, when the color feels like it is drained out of our lives, and when our soul is downcast, I encourage us to look up. And like that old hymn that gently reminds us, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is our good shepherd. Stick close to him. Trust that he knows the way through this valley and that he will see us safely through. Remember and believe that he has good reasons for taking this route, even though it is hard and unfamiliar. And remember that we're in this together. The flock is how we travel in community. Hold on to the truth that there is something life-giving waiting on the other side of this valley if you're finding yourself in one. And if you do so, you'll be in good company. Thanks be to God. At this time, I want to invite you to listen to this next recording. It's John Foreman's song, House of God Forever, and it's inspired by the 23rd Psalm. Amen. God is my shepherd I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest In fields of green With quiet streams Surely 
of God forever of God forever.